0: and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi,
1: Melissa. Hey, Mandy. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. Better than last week.
1: Good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it in your voice. You sound great.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You only had to listen to me complain for the entire week leading up to this moment. So I'm glad that you are putting on a brave face and acting like it was not a problem for you to listen to me complain about how sick I was. No,
1: I have a husband, so I understand. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I knew you were are you sick.
0: Equating, are you equating my cold to a man cold? <laughs> no, but my
1: husband's sick and he just keeps walking around the house and he's like, you don't even ask me how I'm feeling. I'm like, because I want to punch <laughs> you in the face every time I see you because you're being so whiny. I know how you're feeling because you won't stop talking about it. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I love him dearly, but I don't adore him when he's sick. So yeah, anyway, we're off to a good start. So
0: before we get started this week, we just wanted to kind of say a quick little word, I guess. There's been some stuff going on in the true crime podcasting community lately. If you're on social media, you've probably seen a little bit of what's going on. We wanted to just kind of give a quick reminder. I know we've said this before on the show, but we've had a lot of new listeners and we just want to like be clear that what we're doing here is not investigative journalism. I know there's like some confusion there sometimes when True crime podcasts are reporting these stories, and some of them do actually get out there and interview people involved, and they kind of, you know, hit the pavement and they request documents that other people don't have access to. And that's not what we're doing on our show. So I just wanted to make that kind of clear. Um, we always do put our sources for the episodes. We put them on the website now. We have so many, and it was getting a little long to put them all in the show notes, but you can always find our sources on the website if you go to momsandmurder.com that's pretty much all i have to say about that i just wanted to kind of be clear about what we're doing here we're just retelling stories that the information is really already out there but sometimes you know you can read 65 articles and find a little bit of different information in each one so What we're doing is going through and kind of learning these cases in and out and using multiple sources and then retelling in our own words. That's all I wanted to say, just so that everybody is clear on what we're doing and there's no confusion. Melissa and I have said before, we are not professional anything. We're not investigators. We're not journalists. And we're not pretending to be.
1: I'm barely a human. I mean, this yeah. is <laughs> it's really pushing it. So if you came here for investigative journalism, wow, I don't know how you ended up here, but this is this is not <laughs> the show for you. But thank you for coming. Stick around for easily to digest stories, I guess. That's basically what we're doing. So, yeah. I agree. Mandy, let's get right into it.
0: So today we are talking about a case. This murder happened in Blood Mountain, Georgia, and Melissa has Googled Blood Mountain for us, and I'm very excited because... I saw that you posted something in the Facebook
1: group and I'm dying to see where this goes. (laughs) I just needed a little information for no reason whatsoever, but you'll figure out why towards the end. So, I originally Googled the wrong city, so it took me a minute to come on track and now I know Blood Mountain, Georgia. So, Blood Mountain, Georgia is located close to the towns of Blairsville and Helen. This week, I'm going to focus on Helen, Georgia, a town with a lot of personality, and it's actually the third most popular destination in the state behind the cities of Savannah and Atlanta, respectively. Did you ever know that? That seems crazy to me. The third yeah, most no. popular place to visit. While Helen started off strong with the discovery of gold in the nearby Nacoochee Valley, which was known as the Georgia Gold Rush, a.k.a. that other gold rush that you probably don't really know about, settlers moved to the area at that time, but the miners ended up heading west to find bigger and better gold opportunities, leaving poor Helen, Georgia, in the dust. In 1968, two local businessmen named Pete Hodkinson and Jimmy Wilkins heard about a local town who had actually renovated their downtown and were able to revamp their economy and have more growth. They hired local artist John Kolick to redesign Helen to have it as a replica of the alpine mountainous town, Bavaria. The town of Helen had German settlers, so it actually seems like a pretty easy call. And from there, they chose a color scheme and revamped the entire town to look like this town of Bavaria. It was an instant success, and people from all over came to visit the best little German town in America. They even changed like their street name. So it looks like you are in Georgia, but now you're in this German town. Like They redid everything, and that caused it to become this really huge tourist attraction. They have like the biggest Oktoberfest. It's, it's a really, really big deal, and that's like what you see when you go there, and that's how it became the third most popular place. So in honor of Helen, I found a few German sayings that I thought would be pretty great for the podcast. Mandy, I'm going to give you the German phrase, probably pronounced terribly, but our friend Jillian helped me with the pronunciation. So if it's wrong, her email address is, no, I'm not going to give it, but <laughs> if it's wrong, don't <laughs> come at me. I really tried my best. And Jillian was kind enough to help me. So I'm going to give you the phrase, Mandy, and the literal translation. And I want to see if you can guess the meaning of these phrases. Okay. And German <laughs> friends, please be kind. I have no idea what I'm doing here. So the first saying is Kummerspeck. And the literal translation is grief bacon grief bacon. Mandy, <laughs> what do you think grief bacon means? Apparently, Jillian's husband calls her this. <laughs> so, I would say stress eating. You're exactly right. If you're a stress eater, you're a kumarschbeck. And I love that. I think <laughs> I love, I do too. I, I love that translation. <laughs> grief bacon. I know. I laughed so hard when I saw that. Oh, gosh. Okay. Now the pronunciations get way harder. So just bear with me. Yet haben wir den Salat. And the literal translation is, now we have the salad. Mandy, any idea on what now we have the salad actually means? Why can't it just mean now we have the salad? Because it doesn't. It means now everything <laughs> is a mess. And I love that so much because I hate salad oh, so no. much. <laughs> so if you're saying now we have the hal- salad. It literally means this whole thing's a mess. <laughs> Basically accurate for this entire show. And lastly, oh gosh, I don't know how to do this. Clapid su afi and that the literal translation for this is "close the lid." The monkey is dead. Mandy, any idea what that would mean?
0: I would say maybe something about like, I don't know, like, like I don't know. I really don't know. Let like, me help you're you. Done. Like you're done. Yes, like, it means it is, you're, you're done. done.
1: And so with that, clapid su afi to Google the city. Go ahead, Mandy. <laughs>
0: Meredith Emerson was born in Charleston, South Carolina on June 20th, 1983 to David and Susan Emerson. They raised her in Raleigh, North Carolina, a suburb of Holly Springs, and she graduated from Niwot High School in the class of 2005. She excelled in college studying the French language, culture, and literature, and she was a member of the French Honor Society and earned the Joseph Yedlika Scholarship for Study Abroad in 2004, which she used to spend some time studying in France. She graduated with honors from the University of Georgia with a bachelor's in French, earning the Cecil Wilcox Award for Excellence in French. Meredith was also an incredibly active and athletic woman. She was an accomplished martial artist, and she studied at AKF Athens, a school that taught a variety of martial arts, and she ended up achieving a blue belt in Aikido. After college, one of the things that Meredith really wanted to do was to adopt a four-legged companion, so she made an appointment with the Humane Society to visit with a black lab that she fell in love with and adopted. She named the dog Ella, and the two spent time together hiking the trails of various national parks, and she was also actively training Ella to be a physical therapy dog. Meredith and Ella shared a home with one of Meredith's good friends named Julia Karenbauer and her dog Brandy. In December of 2007, the two women were excited about the future as they had both recently graduated and they were also excited about the holiday season ahead. That year, Meredith went to Colorado to visit her parents for Christmas and returned home a few days later to celebrate the holiday with Julia and the dogs. On New Year's Day in 2008, Meredith had her sights set on starting the year off right and had plans to hike one of her favorite trails. She left a note for her roommate that she was taking Ella for a hike, and she set off for the Spur Trail on Blood Mountain, which is part of the Southern Appalachian Mountains in northern Georgia. She arrived at the trailhead at about 1 p.m. that afternoon, with about an hour-and-a-half long hike ahead of her. Julia had plans of her own that day, so she knew that she wouldn't be seeing Meredith until the next day.
1: The next morning, Julia awoke to a quiet house. The typical routine for these two women was that Meredith would leave early for work and Julia would take care of Ella, who would often be sleeping in Julia's room by the time she woke up for the day. But on this day, Julia noticed that Ella was not in her room, and when she called for the dog, she realized that Ella was not even in the house. After a few minutes of looking around, it became clear that Meredith had never returned home from her hike the previous day. It was an odd situation, but Julia didn't really start to panic until one of Meredith's co-workers called and said that she had not come into work that morning. At this point, of course, red flags are being raised. Julia's initial thought was that Meredith had possibly been injured on the trail, potentially with a twisted ankle or something similar, and that she needed help getting out of the woods. That's such a scary thing to realize.
0: That your roommate never came home. Yeah,
1: and you just assume she's been there, you know, because because she's always there, you know? So, Julia knew that Meredith was very athletic and said that, you know, she runs all the time, she walks all the time, she hikes all these trails, she's, you know, trained in martial arts, and if she's faced with a situation, she'd really be confident in her abilities. So, she pulled out a map and some trail guides that Meredith kept at home and gathered a few friends to start searching for her. It was around noon on Wednesday, January 2nd, when Julia and Meredith's other friends successfully located her car parked at the trailhead but there was no indication that Meredith nor Ella were anywhere nearby. A few hundred yards away from Meredith's car, they found Meredith's water bottle and Ella's leash. So that's when her friends took off on the trail to start looking for her. Law enforcement was brought in to begin searching later that day. Julia had taken it upon herself to get the word out about Meredith's disappearance, and she talked to the media and basically pled with the public to come forward with any leads that they may have. On January 3rd, a massive search was organized with over 100 volunteers showing up to search for the missing 24-year-old. Law enforcement brought in the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, or GBI, due to the fact that she was missing in a national park. Search dogs and helicopters were also brought in for assistance. And this mountain, this area that she was hiking was super beautiful. Just, It's a gorgeous place to hike, and so many people come there and hike there all the time. It's supposed to be a very, very safe, very nice place to Hike, and it's a place she had gone several times before. As law enforcement began questioning witnesses that were on the trail on New Year's Day, many said they saw Meredith hiking with an older man that also had a dog.
0: One such witness was a man named Seth Blakenship, and he was a retired police officer that was walking on the trail that day and told investigators that he had seen evidence of a struggle while he was on the trail. So, what he saw were water bottles, a leather dog leash, a pair of sunglasses a police baton sheath, and a woman's hair barrette on the ground. He had also remembered seeing a young woman and her dog hiking with what he described as a toothless elderly man that also had a dog, but he figured in that moment that this was just a father and daughter that were out for a hike together since they seemed to be pretty friendly and they were just chatting with each other. But being a former cop, it stuck out to him that the man carried a sheathed police baton. Even in the woods, you know, of course, people carry weapons out there, but that's not really a typical weapon that you would see anyone carrying. People don't just carry batons. He also remembered that the young woman he saw was carrying the leather leash that he saw on the ground. When Seth came upon the scattered items, he got a really bad feeling and he mentioned it to another hiker named Bill Clawson who happened to be out there around the same time hiking with his son and his then fiance. Bill stated that they saw a scruffy man hiding in the woods acting strangely, and this man that he saw seemed anxious for the three of them to leave. So the four of them then went back to the spot where the man was hiding to see if he was still there or if there was any signs of the woman that he was with. They searched around the trail until it was almost dark, but it was January and so the temperatures were really dropping and they gave up and took the items that they found on the ground to a local store, but they did not contact police. It wasn't until two days later on January 3rd that Bill Clausen saw a TV bulletin about Meredith's disappearance that he finally called and reported to the sheriff what they had seen on the trail on January 1st. Law enforcement now had the description of a man they considered a person of interest, so they called a press conference to update the public on the search and to get this man's description out there in an effort to find him. Since the search wasn't turning up evidence of Meredith, police were now thinking it was possible that she could have been abducted from the trail and was being held somewhere else. It became their top priority to identify and locate the man that she had been seen with before she vanished. And we're going to get into a lot more about this case after a quick break for a word from this week's sponsors.
1: Your hair is just as unique as you are, so the type of shampoo and conditioner you use matters when it comes to the health and vibrancy of your hair. Function of Beauty brings you shampoos and conditioners that are customized and individually filled just for you, and it's based on your hair type, your hair goals, and your preferences. We've all stood on the shampoo aisle staring at the options before giving up and just picking one. The problem is most drugstore brands only address a single concern, like volumizing or strengthening, But with Function of Beauty, you can choose up to five hair goals and add to your formulation. There are over 54 trillion combinations possible, so your bottle is uniquely you and even comes with your name printed right on it.
0: I am currently on a mission to see just how long I can grow my hair, which means I need to really step up my game when it comes to giving it what it needs with every wash. I was immediately impressed with Function of Beauty's fun little hair quiz, which asked me questions about my own hair and what I was looking for. A few of the things that I selected were Strengthen, Lengthen, and Anti-Frizz, which is an absolute necessity in the Central Florida humidity. You can even select the color and fragrance or opt for dye-free and fragrance-free. I chose to have my shampoo and conditioner made in a vibrant pink shade and chose the scent Flower to the People, which really smells better than anything I could even dream up. Since using my Function of Beauty shampoo and conditioner, every day is a good hair day.
1: Function of Beauty is the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand with over 20,000 five-star customer reviews. Our listeners will receive 20% off their first order. To redeem, head to functionofbeauty.com murder and take the hair profile quiz. Go to functionofbeauty.com murder to get 20% off your custom formula.
0: Summer is coming to an end, and with sweater weather on the way, I find myself feeling tempted to abandon all of the healthy eating habits I've kept up with over the last few months. After all, it's an annual tradition for me to ditch the salads and reach for the comfort food at this time of year. But thankfully, this time I have Noom. Noom is not a diet. It's a healthy and easy to stick to way of life. And because it's based in psychology, Noom has taught me why I do the things I do and has armed me with the tools to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. And when I feel like I'm starting to slip, I can contact my personal goal specialist for advice and encouragement.
1: I know that when I eat like garbage, I feel like garbage. But there are some pleasures in life I simply can't give up. And with Noom, I don't have to. I've learned through Noom's easy-to-use app that no food is good, bad, or off-limits. Noom teaches moderation and can be used in conjunction with many existing popular diets, which has made it a breeze for me to stay on track and make healthy choices, improve my mood, and reduce stress and anxiety. Getting in shape isn't just about losing weight. It's also about being more in tune with your body's needs and feeling confident.
0: Noom knows that Rome wasn't built in a day. Small steps make big progress. Take your first step and sign up for your trial today at noom.com/moms. What do you have to lose? Visit noom.com/moms to start your free trial today. That's noom.com/moms, the last weight loss program you'll ever need.
1: And now back to the episode. Word about Meredith's disappearance spread quickly once the story reached local news outlets. While watching the press conference on CNN, a man named John Tabor realized he knew someone who fit the description of the man the police were searching for. To me, this is insane. It's a description and you know, I don't know. This seemed so crazy to me that somebody would even call it in. You know what I mean? Like with, it was very little information they really had to go on in the beginning. And for somebody, well,
0: I guess, yeah, well, this guy actually knew though that, I mean that he knew about the area where this happened in right. so I guess he thought like not only do I know someone who fits this description but they also could have been in this area. Right. So that would make sense, you know, to say like, well, I mean it's at least worth
1: Yeah, for sure. Into. And it's so great he did, but it just seemed really I don't know, like a stroke of luck that he happened to even see this and be willing to call it in because sometimes people just think, I don't we've talked about this before. I don't have enough information or I don't want to get the wrong person in trouble or you know, drag somebody into it. So I just commend that guy forever making that kind of a call. So John actually called the GBI and immediately gave them details about a man who had done work for him named Gary Michael Hilton. He said that Gary had been doing some marketing work for Tabor's house siting business for the last 10 years. He also gave the GBI a description of Gary's vehicle, a white Chevrolet Astro van. By a stroke of insane luck, Gary Hilton just happened to call John Tabor just hours after he had talked to the GBI. How creepy would that be?
0: Yeah, all of this is so like just stars aligning and things kind of working working, you know, falling into place in this investigation. Yeah,
1: for sure. Hilton was asking John for money and asked if he would leave it at one of the businesses Tabor owned in DeKalb County. Tabor agreed to leave the money, but hesitated for a minute about informing police about the call, but he ultimately did, and police arranged for an agent to be waiting for Hilton where the check was to be dropped off. Unfortunately, Hilton never showed, and since Meredith's disappearance was all over the news, he had to know that his description was now out there, and he may have gotten spooked. Police believed, of course, it's really suspicious that Hilton doesn't show up to pick up his check if he had just called and said, hey, I need money. And then why? what changed in the last hour that you're not right. going to go get this money you need, except you now know that you're a person of interest?
0: Well, yeah, because when people need money, they need money. So yeah, it's not like, <laughs> like going to pick up a check is not something that you'll be like, well, I don't have to do that. Yeah, today. <laughs> I
1: know I called you and I acted urgent earlier, but I have a windfall of cash now and everything's fine. Don't worry about it. So it was suspicious enough that the GBI obtained a photo of Hilton and broadcast it, officially naming him as a person of interest. After that, more leads and tips began to pour in. On Thursday, January 4th, a lawn care specialist named Michael Andrews got his lawn care truck stuck in a stream. While he's there dealing with that problem, he sees this man, who was later identified as Hilton, sitting in a chair outside of a van and decided to ask, you know, hey, can you come help me get my truck unstuck? Hilton immediately jumps from the chair when he sees Michael approaching him and what Michael felt was an attempt to intercept him and keep him from getting closer to the van. So basically, Hilton sees this guy walking towards him, freaks out, gets his stuff, and is ready to leave. It's unknown exactly what type of exchange they had in their brief encounter, but when he saw Michael pick up the phone to call police to say, hey, my truck is stuck, I need help, he said that's when the man picks up all of his stuff, throws it in the van, and takes off, which is literally the most suspicious thing (laughs) you can do ever (laughs) if somebody's like i'm calling the police and you load up your van to get on the road that's never gonna that's not a good look for you so shortly after this encounter also on january 4th another man named stephen shaw saw hilton park his van near the dumpsters at a chevron gas station and recognized the description of the man and the van called the police immediately and said quote the guy you're looking for is cleaning out his van this is Oh my gosh. Right, and this is such a case of people really being in tune to what's going on to me, and it could be that they it's a smaller community and so everybody's really looking out for one another and they they were on the lookout. I I think of how many times people get mad at Amber alerts, which makes me crazy when people get mad about those things that they're really looking out for this girl or they're, you know, wanting to help and so they are actually calling in tips where so many times people just say It looks like him, but I'm not sure, and kind of ignore it and go on with their day.
0: So the police showed up really quickly to this gas station, and when they arrived, Hilton was actually in the process of getting ready to clean the inside of his van with bleach, which, of course, no one does Right? No one cleans the inside of their vehicle with bleach. Hilton was immediately placed under arrest at the gas station, and officers got straight to work by searching the van as well as the dumpster that Hilton had been throwing items into. From the dumpster, they recovered a U.S. Forestry citation for unauthorized camping, a military-style knife and sheath, high-tech boots, some chain with a padlock, gloves, a jacket, folding police baton, and a blue backpack. From inside the van, they recovered clothing, jackets, duffel bags, two sleeping bags, gloves, camping equipment, more high-tech boots, a camera, tobacco, rolling papers, and Hilton's Georgia driver's license. They also found tape, paper towels, maps, two BB pistols, A book and some dog food. All of these items were sent for analysis, and in the following weeks, it was revealed that there was blood evidence on them. And sadly, when they did DNA testing, the blood evidence came back as a match to Meredith's DNA. So, who was this mysterious drifter that they now have in custody and is being charged with the murder of Meredith Emerson? Well, he was born in 1946, and as it turned out, he really had quite a history. At the age of 13, he shot his allegedly abusive stepfather with a rifle while protecting his mother, who was also abusive to him. His stepfather was injured, but not fatally so, and decided to give Gary a second chance and to not press charges against him. However, he was institutionalized for a short time after this. Gary enlisted in the Army in 1963 at the age of 17, serving until 1967 when he was hospitalized after having what they determined to be a schizophrenic breakdown – He received an honorable discharge following his hospitalization. For the next 30 years, he just sort of drifted from place to place, working where he could along the way. He had a deep love of animals and the outdoors, and he took his dog, Dandy, hiking with him very often. Now that the police were sure that Meredith was dead, the search for her body continued for days, but with no sign of her, they decided to offer Gary Hilton a deal if he would tell them exactly what had happened and where they could find Meredith. The deal was if he would plead guilty and lead them to the body, the DA would take the death penalty off the table. So Gary thought this was a pretty good deal and he accepted the offer, and once that was all in place, he would not stop talking. He told the police so many horrifying details of this crime that he had committed and and then some. And we're going to talk about that after one last break for a word from this week's sponsors. A new school year is upon us, and after homeschooling for six years, my kids are testing the waters at a part-time school. Things have been busy and chaotic as I've tried to get them ready for their first day. There's haircuts to be had, new shoes to be purchased, and all the trips to different stores to get everything on that school supply list because, of course, I waited until the last minute when everything was already picked over. One thing I haven't had time to do is head to the post office to send off Patreon goodies and thank you cards. That's why I'm so glad we have Stamps.com, one of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses. With Stamps.com, you can eliminate trips to the post office and save money with exclusive discounts.
1: We know a lot of you are in the same boat as we are, juggling work life and home life. Many of our listeners are small business owners themselves, and like us, you're sending invoices and shipping products. Save yourself the hassle of getting out in traffic and hauling your mail and packages into the post office by using Stamps.com. You can print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it even internationally. And with stamps.com, you even get five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Once you've printed your postage from home, all you have to do is drop it in a mailbox or hand it to your mail carrier.
0: Join us and over 700,000 other small businesses already using stamps.com. Right now, our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in moms and murder. That's stamps.com and enter the code MOMSANDMURDER. We've all done things that we regret, and this week I had a big one. I decided to go grocery shopping in an actual store. I took about 45 seconds before I was instantly reminded of all the reasons why I've been doing my shopping through Instacart. With Instacart, I don't have to fight my kids on the candy aisle, deal with a self-checkout machine that will inevitably freeze in the middle of my transaction, or wait in line behind someone who realizes that they left their wallet in the car after their items have been rung up. With Instacart, I can simply place my grocery order through the app and get back to doing the less stressful things in life.
1: One of the best things about Instacart is that you can time your deliveries so that it arrives before you actually run out of Diet Coke, even if you're down to the last one. That's because with Instacart, your groceries can be delivered in as little as one hour or at a time that works for your schedule. Instacart works with many of your favorite local and national retailers, and the experience is pleasant from start to finish. Once your order is submitted, a friendly Instacart shopper gathers your groceries with care by selecting excellent produce and reaching out to you if necessary. Then they bag them so your hot items stay hot and your cold items stay cold.
0: Try Instacart and get $10 off your first order. To get this limited time offer, go to Instacart.com or download the mobile app and enter our promo code MOMS10 at checkout. That's $10 off your first order today at Instacart.com or through the mobile app. And don't forget to enter our code MOMS10. Instacart.com or through the mobile app with our code MOMS10 at checkout.
1: And now back to the episode. So they've offered Hilton this deal to take the death penalty off the table if he leads him to Meredith's body. So he is starting to confess all these things that happened during his time with Meredith. And in his confession, he said that he met Meredith on the trail on New Year's Day and they both had their dogs with them. So they started chatting and hiking together. He actually intended to kidnap her from the moment he met her because he thought she would be an easy target. She was alone, and being that she was only five four and 120 pounds, he was sure he could overpower her. Meredith really quickly grew tired of making small talk with Hilton, and she insisted on going on her way up the trail. Hilton couldn't keep up with her, so he let her go, but was intentionally waiting for her when she came back down.
0: That is so just sickening to even think that he set his sights on her like that and then waited for her to come back. He knew she was going to come back, and he made a point to stay there and wait for her. Yeah,
1: she had to. I mean, you know, she had to get off the trail. But, yeah, it's so upsetting that he literally just that day sees her and thinks, this is what I'm going to do with my day. It's just – I just feel so terrible for her, of course, in this entire story. When she did finally come walking back, he confronted her with a military-style knife and demanded access to her debit card. As we said, Meredith was very well trained in martial arts, and she started physically fighting Hilton. She was able to disarm the knife from him and injure his hand in the process. Hilton kept punching Meredith in an effort to get her to stop, but said, quote, she just kept fighting. She wouldn't stop fighting, end quote. They continued to engage in a violent struggle, even falling down a hillside off the trail where Hilton was able to regain the upper hand somewhat. He told her all he wanted was money and her debit card, which he said seemed to really disarm her for a bit. And he was able to zip tie her hands and put her and her dog Ella into the van before driving to the nearest ATM with the intention of withdrawing money from Meredith's account. So I see how that could happen, right? So she thinks if I'm giving him my ATM card, he's just wanting money. I can get out of here. This can all be over. Meredith kept giving Hilton the wrong pin number to her card and had him drive to different ATMs around the county, which only served to further enrage Hilton. So he's unable to get this money from her, but decides he's going to continue this and decides he's going to keep her captive at this point and actually chains her by her neck to a tree. But in a really stunning contradiction, he gives her aspirin because of you know the pain she was in from the fight the day before also gives her sleeping bags to sleep in because it was getting cold and said that he wanted to keep her comfortable. Okay, then let her go. Like that's – I hate these kind of confessions where it's like, and now look at me being a hero. Look at me being a good guy. Would a bad guy do this? No, I wanted to keep – shut up.
0: No, it's like so so delusional and so like self-serving of him to even be like, well, I was nice and gave her a sleeping bag to sleep on. Like, no, you're holding this woman against her will. Like there's nothing – There's nothing nice about any of this.
1: Todd Kohlhepp, one of the earlier stories that we did, it was the same kind of idea. Remember, he would give this girl books and all kinds of stuff and try to justify everything because he did all these nice things. And would a monster do these things? Yeah, apparently, because you're both monsters. So for three days, he held Meredith captive and kept promising her that she would be going home and he would give all of her stuff back. And he said he would really prove this to her by keeping it all in this blue backpack, just saying you're going to leave and this is your backpack. Look, here it is. It's all in one place. Whenever it's time for you to go, you pick it up and you leave. So of course he tells police, this is all a lie and that he had no intention of letting her go.
0: On the second day of Meredith's captivity, they hiked around in Dawson forest for hours and he would tell her that she was free, but that if she tried to run, he was going to shoot her and anybody else that happened to be around at the time. They even encountered a law enforcement officer on the trail at one point, and Hilton said that he actually waved at this officer as they passed by, which just – he's just psychotic. I mean, on every level to even – just to even bring that up, like, oh, yeah, by the way, I also waved at a police officer, you know, while I was still holding Meredith captive. It's just all very disturbing. Yeah, and
1: just – I mean, even walking her through the area is just – He knows he has control. He knows, you know, he's in charge of the situation. And it's just so upsetting because people did see her but had no idea what was going on.
0: So Hilton walked Meredith further into the woods where he put down an air mattress and two sleeping bags for her to sit on and then chained her to another tree. He then left telling her that when he got back, he was going to let her go. So he disappeared for quite some time and walked back to his van to, quote, collect himself, where he made some coffee. He just drank the coffee and he finally went back to Meredith and he told the investigators that when he came back, she said, I was afraid you weren't coming back, which kind of leads you to believe that he had left her for a very long time this day. He gave her a book to read and walked around the tree behind her as if he was going to make good on his promise to undo the chains and the padlock that were holding her captive, but instead he used the handle of a tire jack and beat her to death. Knowing that her dog Ella was microchipped, he thought for a minute that he might have to kill the dog too because he was afraid that she might be able to lead the police to him, but he decided to let Ella go because he said, and this is a quote, there was no way I could do that, meaning there's no way that he could kill this dog, but he just beat a woman to death for absolutely no reason. This is just going to show how twisted this person right. is, but he, he didn't want to hurt the dog, so he let the dog go. Ella was actually found wandering in a parking lot across the street from the gas station where Hilton was arrested. So this truly evil, evil man went on to say that this experience for him was surreal He told the investigators that, quote, it was hard. You got to remember, we had spent several good days together. What? It's so upsetting when, and you see this a lot whenever you have these interrogations and especially confessions where these these monsters are saying things like this. And it's almost like they want to get a rise out of the police, you know, by saying stuff like that. But come on. Like, that's really, really upsetting to hear him say, like, we had several good days together, you know, so it was really hard for me to kill her. Like, what? Yeah. Gary then told the police where they would be able to find Meredith's body. On January 7th, 2008, investigators located Meredith's remains right where Hilton said they would be in a heavily forested area of Dawson County. She had been decapitated with a serrated knife and Hilton had hidden her head in an effort to make it more difficult to identify her body. An autopsy revealed that the cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. Having obtained all the information that they needed, police were ready to put Gary Michael Hilton behind bars. In February of 2008, Gary was indicted on murder charges, pled guilty, and he was given a life sentence in Georgia with a possibility for parole in 30 years. At the time of his incarceration, he was 61 years old. So all of this actually went down in one day. He was indicted for murder, he pled guilty, and he was sentenced all on the same day. In a stunning twist, Hilton would later be linked to three other murders that occurred in the months prior to Meredith's murder. In October of 2007, he murdered John and Irene Bryant in the Pisgah National Forest in North Carolina. They were an elderly couple that loved the outdoors and had a passion for hiking, which they did a lot of together over the years, even going on weekly hiking trips well into their 80s. This couple was well-loved by their friends and family, who said they were extremely kind and down-to-earth and always willing to help anyone in need. The couple had met in Montana after each of them had graduated from college, and although they were both educated professionals, their true passion was for exploring nature and seeing new sights across the globe. Irene Bryant's body was discovered three weeks after Gary Hilton beat her to death. John's body was never found, but his ATM card was used to withdraw cash at an ATM after his disappearance. Hilton was charged and sentenced to life in prison for those two murders.
1: In December of 2007, just weeks before Meredith, Hilton killed 46-year-old Cheryl Dunlap, a nurse and resident of Crawfordville, Florida. So I told Mandy when I was reading this, I didn't even realize this was the same guy. My mom actually – this is near Tallahassee. It's like a small little town – It's actually a friend of a friend. I thought it was my mom's friend, but a friend of a friend was Cheryl. So when this was going on, I remember this being in the news. It was a really, really, really big deal that this woman was found right outside the Apalachicola State Park. So Cheryl's car had a flat tire. They found it right outside the state park. And what they assumed is that Hilton was actually staying at that park, which they were later able to verify, and saw that Cheryl had broken down and went to help her. And this is really a really remote area by this park, and that's whenever everything happened. When Cheryl wasn't seen at church on this Sunday, best friend called the police and there's this ATM footage that came out and this is what I remember like my mom sending me and stuff showing this guy wearing this rubber mask and using or attempting to use Cheryl's ATM around Tallahassee three separate times and the pictures are upsetting like horrifying right so more than almost any other ATM picture I've ever seen this is just It's unsettling to see this. And so it's discovered through the investigation into Meredith's murder that he was, in fact, in Leon County at the time of Cheryl's death. He had actually been told, and this was very upsetting to me, that he needed to leave the park on two separate occasions for overseeing this 14-day limit at the parks. But he stayed, and the rangers never checked the federal database, which at that time actually was not required to do. Had they done that, they would have seen that he had a minor citation from 2005 that he could have been arrested for. So they had oh contact with him two separate times and could have gotten him on something. But that's great that these kind of laws have been changed, where that would be now standard practice. Obviously, it would have been better if that was standard practice then. But it's great that those kind of things are moving forward, I guess. So a group of hunters initially located Cheryl's body in a badly decomposed state on December 16, 2007. She had been missing since December 1st. Hilton actually did receive the death penalty for her murder in 2011. And just a month later is whenever he attacked and killed Meredith, just in North Georgia. So basically, he left Tallahassee when the heat was on and moved to Georgia and killed Meredith. And that's what I remember, like hearing that this guy was arrested up in Georgia. And you think, what happened? And, you know, find out it's this drifter and all that stuff. But It was crazy because all of his crimes were so horrifying, just so gruesome. It's like he woke up one day and had, you know, a bee in his bonnet and just whoever looks like a good victim was who he was going after that day.
0: Well, he said that in some of his police interviews that I saw footage of, like he was talking about how, you know, he liked to hunt and he's like, you know, you like to pick these people. Like he liked to like pick them. I don't know what his process was or what he based things on because none of them really had anything in common. Like they weren't even, you know, sometimes you hear about serial killers and like their victims all have a very similar age or you know a look about them but in this case it it just seems so random the people that he picked and but the way he talked about it as hunting like he actually used that term and he's talking about hunting people and it's just so very disturbing and sad and very scary to think that people like that are out there whenever you know right in the world in general and like you're you just want to go on your hiking trips and you want to go camping and you want to be in the woods and and enjoying nature, but you have to sometimes worry.
1: At Meredith's memorial service, her martial art teacher awarded her with her black belt. And Meredith's memory really still lives on. The organization Right to Hike works to continue Meredith's legacy by working day in and day out to keep trails safe for those that wish to enjoy them. We have a friend Kim with People Are Wild, she's a big hiker, a big outdoorsman and stuff. And she actually got kind of rattled about a disappearance in Hawaii, I think a few months ago. And so now she uses this app called Ecrum. I don't know much about it. I just know that she uses it. This is not an ad, but I know that it gives you like coordinates of somebody. So if you have somebody in your life that hikes, something like that, it's kind of cool. It sends you an email when they leave, it sends you an email when they return. So you have somebody that's kind of tracking... I mean, a safe person that's tracking what you're doing, which I think is really great for somebody like that who loves being outdoors and stuff, but might not think, you know, if you tell me you're going on a trail, I don't know where you're going to be on that trail. I, I can't help you. But this is like a digital footprint showing where this person is. If something happened. Hopefully nothing will happen, but it's there, and so it's called ecrum. If you want to check it out, again, don't know anything about it, but it's pretty amazing.
0: I mean, it's it's useful for even if you just like got hurt on the trail and yeah. needed help, then they at least know exactly where to look for you, and you know shorten the time that you have to be stranded out there. So that's really awesome that they have
1: that. That lady in Hawaii, do you remember that? It was like the lady who was missing for like five days and she hurt her ankle. It was this huge thing, but nobody knew where she was. And she did all this hiking and Kim said basically, it really shook her up because how long does it take for somebody to go look looking for you? And right. if you know, hey, I got an email saying you left at this time and you never sent one that you returned, people know to start looking for you a lot sooner. So this obviously technology was not around years ago, but it's really great that Right to Hike is doing this and trying to keep the trail safe for those that love the outdoors. Not me, but good for the rest of you.
0: Okay. So that was the episode for this week. We are going to do last thing before we go as usual. And I think some people will be really happy um, because we are bringing back on my dateline for this week. And I'm actually really happy about it. People ask us about it all the time. They're like, I wish you would do it again or bring it back. And if you've listened to the show since the beginning, you know, that was our very, very first ending segment that
1: we did. It wasn't. It wasn't. Was it, it was not? our second. It oh, was man. I'm invincible when I actually got oh this confused. Yeah. <laughs> it was our <laughs> second regular segment.
0: Well, there you go. So this was our second regular segment. We'll have to do some I'm Invincible ones too because I think people still send them to us, but people are always still using the on my dateline thing. So Melissa pulled a few on my datelines and now we're going to read them.
1: So the first one is from our friend Lydia and hers, I love this, anyone who has ever banged a utensil on a plate while eating... And she said it basically made her a mass murderer, but that's her on my dateline. And I get it. Especially late at night. If you hear noises like if my husband crunches a food in his mouth, I am very murderous in that moment. <laughs> food noise. Okay. Well, corn nuts, corn nuts make me crazy. I cannot take those noises. There's my proof right there. The next one is Amanda H. And I love this one, too. She said, I showed my husband some memes about the Popeye's chicken feud two days ago. That Popeye's chicken versus Chick-fil-A. What's better? And he made an I don't get it face at me. Yesterday, he asked me, did you see all the Popeye's chicken stuff?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This one made me laugh so hard because... I cannot even tell you how many times this happens to me, where I will either just say something to my husband, or I'll tell him something, or I'll show him something, and he's just like, "Yeah, uh huh, okay, uh huh," and then not even the next day, but literally within like the same hour, he'll be like, he'll tell me the same thing that I told him. Right? I'm like, "Did you hear a word? Did, right. did you hear anything I said? Do you listen to me at all?" Like, yes, I can totally see how that would land you on Dateline because it is very, very irritating.
1: Right? For sure.
0: So the next one is from Heather R. And she said, on my dateline, I walked my daughter to her first day of school and some judgy mom in a maxi skirt gave my yoga pants and messy bun the stink eye. Listen, lady, don't pretend you're better than me. Your maxi skirt is basically a
1: (laughs) semi-formal version of yoga pants. It is. It totally is. You don't even have to shave your legs with a maxi skirt. It's the best (laughs) thing ever. And you automatically feel so dressed up. I do get it. But it is also on the laziness schedule. The laziness schedule prism, laziness. What is the word I'm looking for? It is.
0: Well, and I remember maxi skirts were in style, like hardcore in style several years back, not even that long ago. I would say maybe like four or five years ago, it was like a whole fad where everybody was wearing maxi skirts and I used to wear them all the time. I don't even own any now, but maybe I should go maxi skirt shopping because I'm always wearing yoga pants, but maybe I should spice things up
1: a little bit. Really? Just live it up. I love maxi skirts, but of course, the height thing is a problem. So they like sit kind of on my ankles and then I do have to shave my legs. And then what's the point of this whole entire thing? It's just (laughs) better to wear yoga pants. The next one is from Geelin. Is that how you pronounce that? Geelin W? I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say Geelin, Geelin, Galen, (laughs) Gorlin, just one of those. It's you I'm talking about. So after a trip to a public bathroom with her father, My daughter discovered boys pee standing up and is now determined to as well. (laughs) Hashtag why are my socks wet pee everywhere? (laughs) I love this, but I don't think I've told you, Mandy, about the thing that my son is now doing. Well, he's been attempting to do. Oh, gosh. So I definitely let him pee outside because I don't want to bring him inside. It's like a whole thing. And he drinks a ton of water in the pool, so I'd be bringing him in like every two seconds. <laughs> okay. Yesterday, I caught him peeing, but trying to pee in his own mouth. And that is oh, <laughs> <laughs> That was such a low point to me to have to tell him, like, we don't can't pee do in that. our mouths. <laughs> Things
0: you never think you're going to say ever.
1: Right? I'm like, oh, gosh. And I've had to say it to him like three times now. I'm like, how much clearer can I get to you? Like, we cannot pee in our own mouth. I, I feel like it's a talent if you can, but you shouldn't do it.
0: <laughs> okay. So the last one is from Molly F and she says on my dateline, my husband will for sure be wrongly accused of my death because I am so hopelessly clumsy and accident prone that I'm sure I'll die under incredible and unbelievable circumstances.
1: Poor Molly. Poor Molly. That's me though, for sure. Yeah, her friend wrote underneath that I can attest to this, basically. <laughs> like, she is very accident prone. <laughs> that is tough and tough for her husband. Oh, he needs to like have an alibi all the time just in case.
0: <laughs> I just make so many mistakes day to day. It's only a matter of time before one
1: of my mistakes is like very, Definitely.
0: very harmful to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I'm I'm clumsy, but more just like bruising myself in stupid ways, so... Yeah.
0: You know what I always think though? Like, something's going to happen. Okay. This is like, and this goes along with this one, but my biggest fear is like a kitchen accident. Like, I accidentally trip and fall and stab myself in the stomach or what? something. And then, like, and then, like, my husband is like charged with stabbing me. And like, cause no one's going to believe, like, no, she slipped in the kitchen and like stabbed herself. Like, I don't know. I feel like something like that could happen to me because that is just how my life is.
1: I am very upset because I love a worst case scenario and I have not even thought of that one. So now that's something I get to stay up at night worrying about. My hands are sweating just thinking about it. This is too much for me. Don't do this to me. I can't take any more scenarios that I haven't even made up in my own head. This is terrible.
0: Those are really good. Thank you guys for submitting those. Um, I loved the On My Dateline segment, and I'm happy that we can maybe start working a few of those in um, every now and then. So who knows? Stick around for next week. I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe we will do I'm Invincible When again possibly we'll do something different there is another idea that's being floated (laughs) around
1: and also we have our hero segment next month or next week so we will announce who the hero is next month and very excited about that thank you guys for sending in emails there's so many and they're so great and so i think it's going to have to be like a number lottery because there's no way we can decide between these it would just be torturous and like i just feel like a terrible person for not you know everybody winning so Thank you guys for sending those in. We will have a link in the show notes of where you can send in your hero recommendation. Patreon will be up in just a few days because we wait till the last minute every last month. That will be there for you guys. The live show information will be there in the show notes. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode.